All right. Well, good afternoon, everyone. This is Dr. April Murdaugh here, and I am really excited. I have a really good guest here today. We're going to be talking about some deep stuff. And I picked someone that I truly respect. Um, she's in the mental health space. She's a, a therapist, a counselor. She's also a really good friend of mine. And um, I really feel like money and the issues that women deal with when it comes to money uh, usually come up in therapy. And I believe, I believe in therapy. I think it's very important to deal with your issues, not just around money, but around life and navigating in this crazy world that we we have to navigate in as women, as black women, as women professionals. And so today the topic is kind of a deep one. I think it is on um, black women and money trauma. And I think all of us have some sort of money trauma, whether you are a black woman or a minority woman or just a woman. And today Jules um, Jean-Pierre, if I said her name right, Jean-Pierre, <laughs> Uh, she is a licensed mental health counselor, and I believe that she deals with some of this in her practice. She's so down to earth and so easy to talk to. And today our conversation is going to be on just that. I'm going to be talking with her about some of the trauma issues that we women face when it comes to managing money or just trauma in general. So welcome to the show, Jules. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Give us your background. And uh, yeah, take it over. Thank you. So my name is Jules Jean-Pierre. I am a dual licensed clinician. I'm licensed in marriage and family therapy, and I'm also a licensed mental health counselor. I am certified in EMDR, which stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, and I'm qualified supervisor. So I have been in the game of therapy for 10 years. And my main focus for the last consecutive 10 years has been trauma. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes you will find a therapist who specializes in a specific type of trauma. And I don't, um, I'm looking at all types of trauma, emotional, physical, verbal, medical, maternal, and also financial which is the purpose of, of this discussion today. And um, before we get started, I, I did want to clarify that traditionally financial issues don't really come up in therapy, at least with my experience from the client side. Hmm. I will loosely bring it up in regards to maybe issues with payment um, to let them know that if they feel that they will have an issue to communicate with me because that also is a part of therapy and often um, they don't. And it's something that I have to remind them about. So I'm very open to that, but people don't generally, um, African-American women don't generally say anything about that. Wow. Well, that's interesting. Do you yeah. think, why, why do you think that is? You think, cause we got so much other stuff going on, you think? <laughs> I would say that, I mean, if you could see my face when you ask me that question, <laughs> we, who we are by nature and the position that society has us in is that we are carrying so much on our shoulders that I believe we often neglect 
some key important pieces because that doesn't take precedent at this time. A mm. lot of us are in survival mode. Mm. So therefore, why would we think about that? Because we are, quote unquote, making it happen, finagling it. But I think that in the manner in which we are doing that, we don't really see that it could be a lot easier if we would be vulnerable with key individuals in our life and have the conversation about money because it can be managed better. Um, once you talk to an individual such as yourself, that would put you into perspective as to the fact that you're not really managing it right. You're surviving and that's mm -hmm. great. But if you continue to be in that manner and you get to a place where you've made it, you're still going to have money troubles because you didn't address that issue. So tell me like, what is trauma? Because I think that's interesting the way you, you put it. Yeah. Survival. I know for myself and you and I have had these, these deep conversations. So I, you guys on this podcast, I'm super duper transparent, but uh, Jules and I have had these deep lunch comp breakfast conversations about, you know, just trauma and, and making it happen. And, and that whole survival mindset, I, I think we just had a conversation about like, okay, I'm not in survival anymore. So tell me about what, what is trauma? What, what does that show up as? What does it look like? I think that's a great question because often people associate trauma with it being just physical, meaning um, somebody went to war um, somebody was in a catastrophic accident. And so therefore they were traumatized. Whereas if I grew up in a home where money was scarce and I wasn't sure where my next meal was coming from, or I wasn't sure if I was going to have money for the lights to be on, or I wasn't sure if I was going to have enough money for lunch that's traumatic because you are constantly living in a state of fear. And so to define trauma so that it's very clear, because it's not just one specific thing, but by definition, trauma is a deeply distressing or disturbing experience. Hmm. And it causes an individual to be in state or in the state of fear for that specific issue. And if you don't address it, discuss it, identify it, then you're always going to be in a state of fear when it comes to money. And so you asked a very pointed question. How does that show up? Um, we talk about scarcity mindset. And so for individuals who have financial trauma in their background, um, it can show up in a way of, well, I'll use, I'll use my culture, for example. So culturally, I grew up first generation Haitian. And so if you know anything about Haiti, um, Haiti is depicted as a third world country. It's not necessarily the case. That's another story. However, individuals who migrate to this country and might have been living on the countryside may not have um, experienced a more affluent life. When it comes to engaging in a new society and having money, um, more money than they had before, they have a tendency to, to consume a lot, 
meaning they're going to buy, they're going to buy this, they're going to buy that, and they're never going to let it go. So it's not the basis for every hoarder. But if I have a conversation with the hoarder, more often than not, they grew up poor. And mm -hmm. so they spent money to collect items and didn't let it go because of the fact that they weren't able to have it before. And to let it go means that I'm poor. Mm. if that was a good explanation. Oh my gosh, that was so good. And now it resonates so much with me because I mean, although I'm, you know, African-American here in this country, you know, I grew up in a scarce household where things were not as plentiful as I would have liked them to be. And, and right. so, you know, what I saw some of my peers go through and I struggled with the whole scarcity mindset, the whole you know, survival mentality and literal fear in um, spending money. Like I have a client that says um, she literally panics if her account gets below a certain amount. Like she has this fear that she's going to be poor. And so poverty really elicits that kind of trauma. That's what I'm hearing, the poverty right. that you've experienced. Right. Wow. So, but, but you, it's interesting that you come, you bring that up that women don't really come to you for trauma, money issues or money issues. They come to you with other issues that they're dealing with or other types of trauma that they're dealing with. But do you think that some of it has its foundation in finance or you think it just, is it a layer in the trauma you think, or after you start digging through, like what kind of, what is the process and what do you find in that? I believe it's multi-layered. Um, specifically what I do is when I have individuals come to see me, not everybody who is seeking me out is seeking me to work on trauma. Even though if you look me up, I'm talking about trauma, trauma, some individuals don't understand what that is. So they're seeking me for, you know, I'm a little sad or I feel anxious. If they can find the words, they'll tell me that. And what I do specifically is work with adults who have experienced the traumatic event, who know it, um, or those who present with anxiety or depression. And we go through the process of discussing their life and I'm able to highlight specific events where it could or where it appears traumatic from my knowledge of trauma. Trauma is specific to each individual. So we assess it to see if it really caused anything or not. And if it didn't, then it wasn't traumatic for them. And if it did, then what we, or what I do is connect their present day behaviors back to the trauma. And that's how I identify that, you know, you actually do have trauma in your life. Um, I define it again. And then I use their life experience that we've shared through our therapeutic relationship and tie it so that they understand that as a result of this, we're speaking about financial trauma, this financial trauma, this situation that you were in, you formed a belief about it. You never addressed it. And because that belief has been consistent in your life since you were five or seven or 10 or whatever, you've been your behaviors have been dictated by that belief. Mm. And so that's how we talk about it. Once it's identified, then continue to work on identifying, again, behaviors that are linked to that trauma and, and other traumas that may show up. Yeah, because I think sometimes it's all 
it's linked, like you said, you know, it, it is linked to a lot of different things. I think, you know, money trauma for me was linked to, you know, the lack of, you know, finances. Uh, maybe there was some abuse. Um, I, I know I have clients and, and myself may have, have suffered some, some sort of abuse. And so there may be fear around just dealing with anything, not just money, but just coping. And, right. and so it shows up as depression and anxiety. I know, I mean, very candidly, I struggle with anxiety uh, myself. And so I know when you and I talked about this uh, some years ago about the whole anxiety, you came up with coping. So how do you, I mean, at first, at first we identify that we've had some trauma. We've connected it back to maybe events that happened in our lives and you help mm -hmm. us connect those dots to help us identify what things, what actions or experiences have happened to cause the, the, the trauma belief or the fear, right? But then now that we have that, because what I find is sometimes uh, we stay stuck in having the same conversation, yeah. right? And I, okay, now I got it. I know this is the issue. Now, what next? How do you take your clients on that journey to, from identifying it to moving beyond it, I guess. I don't know if you can, I mean, you tell me. You can, and um, that's, that's a good word, moving beyond it. So once I make you aware, we can have now a different discussion because you see it now. I don't need to listen to the stories because I'm actively listening when I'm working with clients and I'm um, from a mental perspective, what I'm doing is I'm pinning it to like a board Oh, I heard this. Oh, I heard this. And and I am an investigator. So I'm always curious about whatever statements they made to elaborate a little bit more so that I can also help the client um, start their wheels turning in regards to what I'm asking. So I'm asking specific questions because I can't tell them I could, but I choose not to because this is about learning as well. I, I can't tell you what to do. Therapists don't tell you what to do. We don't give you advice because these are all your choices. And mm. so therefore we have the discussion. And once you are made aware, then we talk about coping mechanisms and we clearly identify and make a distinction between healthy coping mechanisms and negative coping mechanisms. Generally negative coping mechanisms comes from perhaps the time of the trauma where you attempted to cope with it and it worked temporarily. And so it caused um, a calming or a positive feeling. And so therefore, since it worked and I'm using air quotes, what do we do? We do it again mm -hmm. and we do it so often that it becomes misused. And in my world, I would call that maladaptive coping mechanisms because it's now bad. And we see that in, in, in different um in different behaviors that individuals exhibit. So with the example that I gave you about hoarding, it's I didn't have money before. And at some point when I started having money, I held on to it. Mm -hmm. And it made me feel good to see that I had X amount of money in the bank. And so therefore, since holding on to it equates to a good feeling, I'm never going to let it go because I know what it feels like not to have it. So in a different example from 
a hoarder, because I used hoarders as far as items, you have individuals who are hoarding their money, but their bills aren't getting paid. Mm. Your car's not getting fixed. You have money in the bank, mm. but you're not using it because you somehow convinced yourself with your negative experience, you generated a negative thought process, um, and you developed a maladaptive coping skill that I'm going to hold it all. And if I, but if I spend it, just a little bit of it, that means I'm going to be broke again. And so therefore I don't touch it at all. Mm. And I could also be that type of person who does that, but I'll spend other individuals money and I don't pay them back. And so that creates an issue in my relationships as well. And so the more that I investigate the issues, the presenting issues with my clients, it helps me to uncover the trauma and how the behavior today is linked to that and how we can start making some changes. We start introducing healthy coping mechanisms. We start identifying how they make you feel because that's inherently what things are linked to, how they make you feel. And once we determine what healthy coping mechanisms work, what they are, what works, when it works, the rest of the work is you putting it into practice. And mm. so therefore you put it into practice for a undetermined amount of time. You're always going to be doing this for the rest of your life. But when I say undetermined amount of time, I'm talking about in regards to our therapeutic relationship, because the way that I see it is I don't need to be with you forever. I may be here for a short time. So therefore I'm going to work with you. You're going to have times where you mess up, where the negative intrusive thoughts come in again about that specific trauma. And you may have a knee jerk reaction to go back to your maladaptive coping mechanism. We talk about why you did that. What did you feel? How much did you feel it? Why you feel like you could not use the other coping mechanism. And so we just, again, begin to explore and uncover the negative thought processes behind it. And once we get to a point where you trusted in yourself, to be able to use the healthy coping mechanism and we determine how it felt, we repeat. We don't reinvent the wheel, we repeat. Mm. And so what I am doing is building or rather helping you build a positive understanding of healthy healthy coping mechanisms in regards to the traumatic event that you had. Girl, that is deep. It is. <laughs> it really is. is deep, but it is so needed. It's like, well, you know, when you were talking about just kind of rebuilding and trying it again and and adjusting, okay, so this coping strategy that we employed, oh, I fell off the wagon. I did something. Then I go back and do it again. And so you are like, you're like my, I hate to use this word because it's so overused, <laughs> coach. Ugh, I know, it's but okay. I hate to use that word, but you're <laughs> there just kind of not doing it for me, but kind of helping me through the process of practicing how to cope when these things, when these negative emotions and thoughts come up, right? Yeah. That and is so, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you're good. I don't mind the word coach because honestly, I am or I represent whatever it is I need to represent for my client at that time. So in the beginning, I am the therapist. And as our therapeutic relationship builds, I am always maintaining my boundaries. And because I maintain my boundaries, that also teaches my client to maintain theirs. 
But then I start to morph theoretically into whatever position or relationship that there was a deficit in order to be able to assist them. Mm-hmm. Got you. So, so yeah. yeah. So sometimes I'm a mom, you know, as the therapist, but I'm playing the role of a mother, not to mess with their mind or anything. You know, I'm being careful of my words. I'm saying playing, but that is the position. That's where the deficit was. And so I understand that. And I utilize that to be able to um, assist the client in feeling vulnerable enough to do the work that they want to do for themselves because I can't push anybody. And so I use the word want is because they came to see me mm-hmm. and right off the, be- right off from the beginning, once I do the assessment, um, I determine what are the goals. And I also determine what mo- motivates you to come to, to continue to come see me. And then also what would motivate you to, to keep working towards your goal? Because once I know that and the challenges come because you know, as we go through therapy and we talk and we uncover, then once you're aware, then you see the challenges a little bit more clearer. Mm-hmm. And and then then it gets scary because now you see it. You can't act like you don't see it anymore. Yeah, yeah. I've made you aware. You see yeah, it. And that, yeah. and that means what? I have to do something now. Not my therapist, not my brother, not my sister, my, not my friend. I have to do something. And the the trust that's lacked is in self when it comes to that point. Mm. Say the last part, the trust is in yourself. So- is lacking in self. Yep. When when it comes to, we've talked about it, we've identified it, we're, we're building this plan and then something happens. You got to trust yourself to know that I've now been made equipped. I have tools and I need to use it. Mm-hmm. And that's scary. It is. It it definitely really is scary. And it, and you know, it's not just money. It's just in all of the trauma that you may experience, facing it, realizing that it, right. it exists, and then trying to figure out how to cope. Wow, that is so deep. So, you know, you talked about trauma, recognizing it, the thought patterns. What and you, you also talked about how, how it may show up, which I think is cool. I know in my line of work, I find that it shows up in when I'm working with minority women or women professionals and either excessive spending because mm. in, in my culture, it's like, well, we're first generation millionaires, right? So yeah. we, didn't, we didn't have that. And so, or it could show up where um, I have to take care of my whole family you know, because I'm the one that makes, you know, excessive six figures. And um, I owe all of these people um, for where I have, where I am, you know, maybe people invested in me, sent me money while I was in school. And now I have this, this um, indebtedness uh, to, to them. So I see a lot of that as well in my, in my line of work. And so because you say that most people don't come to you initially for that and you kind of uncover some of those traumatic issues, what would you say is this the most, you know, once you uncover some of that, what do you see the most in terms of if you experience money trauma when working with your patients or your clients? What type of money trauma am I seeing? Mm-hmm. So the way that it would show up 
would be one of the examples that you gave as far as feeling guilty with the status or position that that the individual has worked hard for and the feeling that I do owe, that I can't enjoy it. How dare I enjoy it when others haven't made it as far or aren't as successful as I am who worked for it? Um, that's one. Um, <laughs> I think you said that work for it like you did it, right? <laughs> Nobody right. else was there with you in this in this no. <laughs> and honestly, April, even if they were there for you, that was their choice. Hmm. Everybody has a choice. People can say no. That's why we have boundaries, or at least we get to learn them. So it's a choice. And if individuals in your lives are choosing to do things for you and they truly understand unconditional love, then it was done without the need for reciprocity. Mm. And so you don't owe anything. Mm. That's the other true. Way, mm-hmm. Right? Right. That's true. Mm-hmm. The other way that it can show up is is the excessive spending um, in regards to like generational trauma of being in this country. If you have a lineage that goes far back into slavery where they, not all of them, but those who didn't have anything, then there is the need to have this perception that I do have everything, even at the detriment of self. So I'm buying the Gucci bag. I'm I'm getting Louis Vuitton sneakers. I'm buying Yeezys. Can you pay your bills? Mm. Is that really necessary? Mm-hmm. You know, what does that represent to you that you were able to purchase the Yeezys when you also could have invested, mm-hmm. you know, and you needed to invest at this time due to where you are and you're not necessarily yet at a place where you can spend that type of money. Mm-hmm. So in, in it shows up in my client that way as well. Yeah. 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 I think it's a myriad of ways that trauma shows up. So, so you, you work with all types of clients. I mean, I, you're so good girl, just listening to you. I'm getting my own therapy session right here (laughs) (laughs) because I know you and I have talked about that too, just on a personal note, like, um, especially with being a single mom and, and you being a single mom too, I don't think you might, you might not be as bad as I, I, I have, (laughs) (laughs) but it's, you know, it's, you know, making sure they're okay. They're okay. They're okay. And you are not doing what you could be doing for yourself. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, because either we have this and I struggled with it too, like this whole Marta syndrome, like I want to come in and save and be there all the time and, and be yeah. that person instead of allowing people, my, my terminology is uh, allow God to be God in their lives. Right. So, right. Right. You know, and so I think we, I know myself, I stepped in when I probably shouldn't have. And then we have this really crazy codependent relationship that, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're pissed at the person because they can't see that, well, I'm making all these sacrifices and I'm paying all these bills and I'm da, 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 da. But like you said, in the beginning, you you know, a little while ago, you made a choice, you chose this. So your lack of boundaries can't, can't be mad at somebody else. You just, 
reminded me of another way. There are so many ways, as you had stated, a myriad of ways that it can show up. Um, and this is not for every woman because there's there are different mindsets, but that is another example. Um, and to be clear, what this example is, is being in an unhealthy relationship with an individual um, simply because of financial reasons. And it's a deficit to you. It is causing you um, serious mental harm or even physical harm mm -hmm. to be in this relationship. But due to the fact of some financial trauma, you remain because at least that part is taken care of and you provide yourself with a false sense of safety because you don't think that I can get out of this relationship and make it on my own. That shows up too in physically abusive relationships where women, um, if they are scared to leave, one of their fears, um, not saying that it's rated number one, but one of their fears is I'm, I, I'm not going to have any money. And so I have had discussions with maybe family members that were connected to somebody in that specific case where the only thing that I could share with them to be able to provide support is when she or he is ready to leave, have money. Not in a bank, just have money available because mm -hmm. for them to be able to feel safe and to have some autonomy, sometimes that's what it is. Sometimes that's the only thing that you could do for them when they're ready to leave, have money. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so yeah. I just wanted to share it because that it just reminded me. Yeah, no, that's a good point because I just did a newsletter and in it, it was like, um, I'm getting a lot more women who are now either in the middle of a divorce or deciding to file for divorce. And they're mm -hmm. like coming to me saying, how do I prepare? What do I need to do financially? And one of the things is like, start getting your own money, like start right. becoming autonomous, having your own bank account, maybe establishing your credit if you don't have that already in place because Correct. you're in a you know could be in a financial abusive relationship and now you know this person holds the keys to the kingdom and you're you're stuck so that that and 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 you know I was talking with a woman from rethreaded the CEO of rethreaded and that's kind of what they do right yeah. is they these women have had some trauma from yeah financial abuse all the way to drug abuse and connected yeah. with somebody and this shows up for them too so yeah. I mean Jules you're so good tell me who's your target audience I mean we know you work in the trauma space but who who do you work best with that is a really good question um because I feel like I can mold myself where I'm needed so I would say that I work best with individuals who aren't as resistant that um, often the case when they come to see a therapist, I'm not even going to just say myself um, often, not a hundred percent, but when they come to see a therapist, they have exhausted all other possibilities and they're tired and I don't mind if you come to me that way because then you won't resist so much. I cannot assist an individual who comes to see me and they're not ready yet. Because again, 
I can't make anybody do anything that they don't want to. Mm -hmm. And if they're going to resist me the entire way, they're not in actuality resisting me. They're resisting change and they're resisting themselves. Mm -hmm. And so then it defeats the purpose. And, and I, quite frankly, I will not engage um, in an extensively long therapeutic relationship if it is determined that the client continues to resist because it's, it's ineffective. And yeah. so, you know, if I were to do that unethically, I'm causing harm. And, and so therefore I, I wouldn't do that. No, I think that goes both ways for both of the, the types of work that we do. You've got to be ready and you got to be willing to do yeah. the work, you know, do the work. Yes. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's tough work, but it's worth doing. Right. It is. It is. It is tough work because you have to address it. And um, there typically is avoidant behavior. Um, you know, if I ignore it long enough, it'll go away. And that that's the thought process. And, you know, if if an individual is seeing me, well, how long did you do that? And did it actually work? And then we talk about that. And we talk about at every moment, at every opportunity that an individual had to do other something else. What prevented you? What was the barrier? Mm-hmm. And it usually is us. Usually there are some, you know, one-offs where it's actually physically somebody else. Um, but usually it's us. So we're kind of in the way of us. Yes, we are. And when it comes to trauma, the reason that we're in the way of us is because we learned how to, from many ways, it could be with your foundational nuclear family. It could be school. It could be the friends that you surrounded yourself with. It could be society. It could be the workplace, any interactions that you have. But what we learned is to disconnect from ourselves and not to trust our intuition. Hmm. And so we are walking around, not connected to who we are, inherently who we are. And we're making um, and engaging in behaviors that are indicative of the fact that somebody else said something and it said something, did something, showed us something, we saw something, and we formulated in a thought about it and thought that it was better than what we inherently felt. And then our behaviors were dictated by that. Girl, and that's like <laughs> that's years like, of doing that. Yes. I mean, that's like, but that's like relationships. Like that's a whole nother podcast. Like these relationships that we engage in, that we know, we see the flags. Like we know it's not, it, the flag is not blue. It is red. Bright red. <laughs> and Bright we red. continue to engage. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, and, and I am glad that you said that because that's, that is what I see in everything. Relationship. Everything is a relationship. And so if you're coming to me because you have a poor relationship, then I also am investigating and curious, where else do you have a poor relationship. Do you have a poor relationship with money? Why? So that's where the financial trauma would show up. Mm. So, you know, I think when I entered this industry, my whole purpose was um, we had never been taught. Like as people, as a woman, um, I grew up in a household. We never discussed, we discussed the lack of money all the time. Right. <laughs> I don't have it. I don't got it. That and and so it of course it translated into my discussions with my children about money, but I I was trying to 
facilitate more education. Mm. But my point is, is that I think I, when I entered this, it was because we had never been taught and I wanted to teach people. I wanted them to know and understand how money works and how I can help them, you know, financially just learn money. And so I thought that was a trauma thing. Like, well, you know, us as minorities, no one mm-hmm. had taught us this. I went to inner city schools. They weren't teaching us about heck a checkbook, much less investing or open up an account. So right. do you think that there is some root there or you think maybe it is still more of us? Like, or I guess, am I saying, is it societal too or no? In addition to, yes. Okay. okay. So it's not one versus the other, um, especially if we're generalizing because everybody's story is different. So I couldn't say that is the specific thing, but as African-Americans um, as a whole, we're pulled back. And so a larger number of us would fall into the category of we didn't have a discussion about it because I would be remiss if I didn't say that there were a number of us who didn't have the money issues. Mm-hmm. You know, they did have the discussion, right? But something else along the way occurred and therefore that breakdown in that relationship occurred where did it occur what happened we talk about that I investigate and then we we make some changes if the client is open to doing that so that they can have a more um, successful outcome in regards to that but we don't all fall into that category where you know the money troubles come from you know I was poor some of it was you had the money um And because you are an African-American and you did have the money, then you were just frivolous with it Mm -hmm. because um, because of the confidence that it gave you false set of confidence, mind you. And so then I do some digging like what 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 other areas were you lacking? But you felt like, okay, since I have money, that's going to do it for me. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to spend money here. I'm going to spend money here. I'm going to spend money on friends. Mm -hmm. We don't have a real relationship, but I pay for everything. You don't have no boundaries because if you were to have the boundaries with money, mm-hmm. would you still have those, those specific type of friends? And so there's a fear associated with that. So now so you bring some, girl, you bring something up and then, I, I, I but yeah, we're going to end it a little <laughs> bit, but you bring something up. So as a single woman out here, a single black woman, professional yeah. dating, mm-hmm. right? And so, mm-hmm. and I don't know if you encountered this, <laughs> but I'm being open about my, my I've gone and this is the trauma I don't know women out there may have experienced this but I have gone out with someone and um asked out gone out and um halfway or 75 80 percent through the meal asked you got this right like are you paying for this like me me the the person I think you're pursuing and so that I can tell you I, I recognize it all the time when I go out with somebody. It could be any sex now, any gender. It doesn't even matter right. at this point. It's like, it's good. I just got it because I don't want to be in that situation. And so I was out a couple of weeks ago with a friend of mine and uh, she's in the same industry that I'm in. And um, we went, we got to lunch to celebrate. And, um, and she's like, I don't want you to get in the habit of doing that. You know? And, and so that's a way that I think it can show up as well. Like how, Correct. 
how how do we navigate that? Like, what would you tell some crazy person like myself who's done that? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So in regards to, um, did you want to make it a really a romantic relationship or just a general? No, I mean, both. I mean, let's explore both if we can. We can. So with the romantic relationship, first off, probably not engage with that individual again. You have to make a quick determination in regards to, okay, am I going to pay for this or not? Because you don't know the financial status that that other individual may be at. So rewind that. If that is something that is important to you, then that is a discussion that should most likely be had beforehand. And this expands into a larger discussion about dating and how that's not discussed. And if we want to leave it in African-American household, that's not really discussed. And so Mm -hmm. we just figure it out and figure it out sometimes badly Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. and learn along the way. So that is something to be discussed beforehand. And the reason that it may not be discussed is because of um, presumption. So don't assume, ask, and then uncomfortability. And I heard you say it previously. Like, I just didn't want to be uncomfortable. Okay. Well, when you choose not to be uncomfortable, you learn to be uncomfortable in other places. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. choose which one is, is, is better to deal with. Pick your heart. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Yeah. When yeah. it comes to friendships, um, and again, I really, the first answer was it you didn't want to be uncomfortable. And so therefore, because of that uncomfortability, you know what that feels like. You know what that feels like. You decide to go ahead and interject yourself to to smooth it over, but you put yourself at a detriment, not because you can't afford it, but because it's a behavior. And that behavior over the course of time in other different relationships will become a significant detriment. So it is okay to have that discussion with self and say, where I'm comfortable doing that, or here is my budget for the month, because you could do whatever you want. It doesn't have to be one specific answer. But if your budget for the month is to spend $200, that's for you to go out with other people, you to go out with other people, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to spend it on them. It's just, I have $200 to go out with other people. And when you go out with them, if you feel so inclined to pay for it, then pay for it. But once you hit your limit, that is it. Mm-hmm. And you have mm-hmm. the discussion. Hey, we're going we're gonna to split this and, and just say that. And it's okay. Right, right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a better person now. But I've, <laughs> I've seen every <laughs> now and again, I see it show up. And, I, and, and when I work with women too, I'll go through their bank statements. And I'm like, oh, you're eating this, this, you know, out. And we mm-hmm. figure out how much money because they don't have a clue as to how much money they may be spending. And then right. we look at things and they're like, well, I went out with here and I bought her this and I did this. And I'm like, eh. so, um, so tell me, and then we'll wrap up. Tell me like one coping mechanism or strategy you would kind of recommend for someone dealing with this I, without giving away your, you know, everybody need to go see her. <laughs> we, we don't want to have a therapy session here and prevent that, but definitely like maybe something that we can start employing in our lives, particularly with money trauma or just trauma in general. Just, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
when it comes to money trauma, particularly, um, have a budget mm. and stick to the budget. Deep. And if you're working with um, a therapist, be vulnerable to discuss the money issues. And then we will have the conversation, me, if I was your therapist, we would have the conversation in regards to what is the barrier that is preventing you from adhering to the budget you made for yourself? Because mm. I didn't make it, mm. you did. Mm -hmm. So what is the issue? And and it could be a number of things. We have some individuals who truly have um, a mental health disorder that is part of the issue. And so when I say that, I'm talking about individuals who may be diagnosed with ADHD. They're going to forget because their mind is so, um, you might see it on like a TikTok or Instagram where they talk about, I have so many tabs open. Mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. They truly do. And so that is something that they forget. So adhering to a budget is truly difficult for them. And so when we're able to, to determine if it's a mental health disorder that is causing that issue, especially when we're talking about money then we aim to work on that first, understanding what it is, how it shows up in other areas as well, and determine a plan to address it. And then once that plan is implemented enough and the client and also therapist, because it's a collaborative effort, are recognizing, okay, I'm gaining footing here, then it's implemented in other areas. So if it was a client that had ADHD and the reason that they're having money issues is because they're really bad at budgeting they're bad at budgeting because they tend to forget what is due we create systems that works for that individual not all systems work the same so i'm looking to determine what works best and you know there are some other things that i factor into that because again not every person is the same and so i will add those other variables in to discuss something that would work best for them but mm -hmm. even if an individual doesn't have a mental health disorder, a budget is the way to go. How and whom you budget with is also helpful. So mm -hmm. if it's someone working with a financial planner that will call your ass to the table when they see that itemized, well, what are you doing here? Mm -hmm. And you feel comfortable and vulnerable enough to allow them to guide you. That's great. That is part of your coping skills. Mm-hmm. That is good. That is good. Yes. The, the B word, the budget, the word that everyone does, does not like, we kind of figure mm -hmm. out, you know, we come up with all different synonyms, but it is what it is. And so having a plan <laughs> for the way your money's going to go is definitely a good coping strategy and mechanism. I know one thing that I do is um, I have money Mondays. So on Monday mornings, actually before this podcast, early Monday mornings after the gym, I spend my time looking at my money and paying my bills or, you know, organizing them and putting them because I think the older I have gotten now, I feel like I might be a little ADD or ADHD. Okay. <laughs> so it's like, I put it in there. Okay. This is due this day. So make sure you pay it. You know, make you know, so I I have to put those systems in place. So you you bring up yeah. really good points. That's good coping strategies. Okay, okay. So you guys, listen, I um I could talk to Jules forever, forever, because <laughs> she just I feel like every time we get together, she pours so much out uh, to me, and every time my mind just is expanded. So thank you so much for sharing your expertise. I want to get to know you 
a little bit better. So tell us a little bit about you outside of uh, your therapy, like what you do. Um, well, I have these three questions that I gave you. So that's why I, I put that paraphrase yeah. that um, preface it with that. So let's tell us your favorite book. Do you read? Do you have a book? Do you listen to a book? I'm a, I'm a geek. I read all the time. So, oh, I'm a nerd too. And to be, to be honest, um, I thirst for knowledge and that actually interests me. Um, I am a single mom. So it interests me for relationships, romantic or not, to engage with other individuals who are intellectual. And so that's called the sapiosexual. That's what I'm interested in talking. I like other called the sapiens, but back up. You just went real fast and over my head. Now that (laughs) I've seen these different terminologies. um, Yeah. These different terms. So talk to me. What's that now? Now you took me on another path. I'm sorry, y'all go ahead. So a sapiosexual is somebody who is attracted to other individuals due to intellect. So you enjoy engaging in intellectual conversations. It stimulates you. It makes you want to connect more versus if you spoke to somebody else and they only talked about something else that wasn't interesting and it you just, you can't okay, connect. Okay, so then, yeah. I, okay, so I'm that. I'm all, yeah, exactly. I, I, I'm mentally stimulated. If you can't stimulate me mentally, like where I'm, I come away from the engagement, like better, right. Right. something new, I can't. This is why we're friends. Yes, this is right. <laughs> this is right. This is right. <laughs> yes, we're we're of the same thought process. Um, so yes, I do like books. Um, I, I know in the questions that you asked, that was pretty hard to only pick one because they offer. What you so... got? It doesn't matter. Tell me how many. What 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 are your favorite books? You can put an S to it. Okay, so one of the books, and I also you know recommend reading with my clients is The Four Agreements. Um, And that's a pretty basic book that I think can capture anybody. It doesn't go over anybody's head. And when you think about that, it gives a foundational layman's term understanding of trauma. I explain that to my clients later because they don't see it coming, but basically that is what it is. And so I love The Four Agreements and I do try to live The Four Agreements by Don um Miguel Ruiz or Ruiz Miguel I usually translate yeah I think it is Ruiz I think I might have it in here do you yes I might have oh yeah oh yeah 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 that's a game changer Mm -hmm. I love that and then I read anything that has to do with trauma or just basically understanding um my culture more not necessarily Haitian culture but also identifying as a black American um I I just love to be um, history. I love to delve into that, to be educated, to expand my mindset some more because, you know, at the end of the day, I'm still human. It doesn't matter that I'm a therapist. I'm still human. And there are things that I don't know because I don't know everything. And there are habits and behaviors that I also have due to my own journey in life that I'm still discovering and still trying to unlearn because it's causing a detriment. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's what I like about you. You're so real and transparent. Like, it's not like I'm this therapist and, you know, 
not at all. <laughs> I've not got it all, all together and read mm -mm. this book and do these things. So mm -mm. cool, cool, cool. So yes, The Four Agreements is an excellent book. Yes. So tell me what, what kind of quote. Do you have a favorite quote? I do. Um, so this is basically an understanding as to why my uh, practice is named Therapeutic Hope Counseling. And it's a quote by Desmond Tutu. Um, it was on my very first business card and I took it off because it just didn't go with the logo and everything in the beginning. And then I brought it back. And um, the quote is, hope is being able to see that there is light despite all of the darkness. Mm. Yeah, that is so true. That is good. That is really good. And that's why your, ther your practice is therapeutic hope. That is so, that's good. Yeah. Because you help people see that they can, they can get out. They can figure it out. Yeah. As long as they are of the mindset that there is hope, I, I don't care how much it is. It could be um, for some people, if they grasp onto having the hope um, just about the size of a mustard seed, I could work with that. Zenith. Tell me now, now this, I have another question. I didn't put it in here, but okay. why, 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 how did you enter this industry? Why therapy? Oof, that's a loaded question. Um, to sum it all up, I entered into this field to be able to help individuals get the cheat code to life. Mm. I don't have all of them, but I got some and it doesn't have to be this hard. It really doesn't have to be this hard. We make it this hard for all of the things that we discussed um, earlier in the podcast, but it, it doesn't have to be this hard. And so those who are open and willing, I got cheat codes. It's Girl, gonna, cheat codes. I'm going to give them. <laughs> cheat codes. <laughs> yes. Wow. So, yeah. That's cool. That's cool. All right. So let's talk about a song. One that gets you rocking. What you think? What you got? Um, oof. If you're a music okay. person, cause you told I am. me, wait, I'm going to, I'm going to before, cause you told me I used to be like, I don't, I can't meditate. Right. You know, as we, mm -hmm. we had this conversation about this yes. before and um, I have had for many years, actually all of my life, um, I play a song over and over. If it resonates with me, I just play it. And it allows my mind to drift, not on the words or the words will spark me to drift in a certain direction mentally. Right. And in order to continue that, that feeling or that thought, I repeat the song. Mm -hmm. We're like, you're meditating April. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. And so I kid you not be little early. I took my son to work and I fell in love with this lady that I'm listening to this jazz pianist and I'm playing this song over and over. And I feel that my, and I'm like, I'm driving, but I'm meditating. So you tell me what, what, what gets you, I guess that way. So my, cause I listen to various forms of music. Um, I don't just stay in one specific genre, mm -hmm. but my go-to, I need to think, I want to focus is 
my little hood but um oh no girl look <laughs> listen don't even know no judgment here if y'all saw my playlist mm. right 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 so it's um an instrumental because I don't want to listen to the words um when I'm in that zone but it's pound cake by Drake featuring Jay-Z there is just something about that track that just really gets me in the zone I can listen to the words as well um there is just I don't know that one now. You got me. Okay, pound cake. I'm gonna check it yeah. out. Yeah, I love Drake. I'm. I'm uh, oh my gosh, I love Drake. Me too. Me too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a there's a part in here that really gets me. One of his lyrics, and it's saying something about. I'm trying to find it real quick, but I don't think I can. It's saying something about almost. Isn't it crazy when you realize that you're exactly who you thought you were, and. I've always listened to the instrumental and occasionally I'll listen to the actual song with the lyrics and just the day that it got me where I was like, I'm a therapist. Like I've always wanted to be a therapist and I am that, and I am living that life, you know, and it wasn't easy. It was a struggle for me. Um, I have testing anxiety. So I failed my licensing test for my main um, license nine times, but I didn't give up. Mm. And once I made it, I just kept moving. You know, you made it. It was a struggle, but I made it and I was just moving. And then I was listening to it and I was like, I need to like be in this moment for a little bit. Yeah. Cause yeah. I struggled. I overcome, but I kept going. Yeah. No, like I need to celebrate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Celebrate it. Be cocky a little bit with mm-hmm. it. Why not? Mm-hmm. Nobody gave it to me. They you worked it. hard for that. I worked hard you. for it. Exactly. <laughs> you. <laughs> Don't owe anyone anything. No, no, I'm gonna listen to that, and I like that. I like that little clip, that lyric clip that you that you yeah. provided. That's good. That's good. Yeah. I I mean, it's it's just such a pleasure having you on here. We I'm gonna bring you back. We got some more stuff to talk about. Uh, I on this journey of life. Yes, I welcome that. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Always. Yeah, same here. Same here. All right, my dear. Well, I'm going to let you go. You guys, listen, I'm going to make sure that we have Jules information in the show notes. You need to see her Therapeutic Hope Counseling Center. Is that right? And Therapeutic Hope Counseling. Therapeutic Hope Counseling. Okay. And you're in Orange Park. Your office is in Orange Park. Correct. And do you do virtual? You do in person? How could someone reach you if they hear this and they're like, oh my God, I need her to help me? So I do offer in-person and virtual um, with the certification in EMDR that we we can talk about another time. Um, that is something that I truly am passionate about in regards to helping individuals move beyond their traumatic behaviors. Um, and so when it comes to that, EMDR is, is a different therapeutic modality, if you will, um, that helps people move a little bit more quicker. Um, it can be challenging. It can be scary. But I've seen results where it's so underwhelming as well that you may not think it's working until the day that you notice you don't do the thing that you were doing mm. at all. Like you don't notice it at all. So we'll we'll get into that, but I love it when my yeah, clients are I like, would you know what? I don't do that anymore. And I'm like, EMDR. 
that's what that was. I would love because I told you I had an encounter with someone on that with that, and I was like, eh. mm, mm, we won't get into it on this podcast right now. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but yeah, because that's a part of trauma, you know, right. kind of getting past to get it getting beyond the trauma right and so employing that technique kind of helps I think it triggers and then it you know you can desensitize okay okay yeah so we should bring you back and yeah I'll bring you back and let's talk about that because I think you know when it comes to and of course I'm coming at this life thing from one angle I'm just talking about finances right but I believe that it all is interconnected I yep. believe that, um, you know, my my history and the folks that I see, their history with money has a lot to do with upbringing, society, their relationships, all of that, which also can be dealt with in therapy um, and should be if they want to move beyond where they are and see some. I agree. Right. And and be authentically. I told my daughter, I said, just be unapologetic unapologetically authentically you yeah and when you have all these different layers of trauma and all these different things going on and you haven't addressed it like you said you kind of taking on identities what you've heard what people have said and then you think this is the way like in my world it's like financial advisors well you should be living here and you should be driving this and you should be wearing this and you and and my daughter, my kids laugh at me and they're like, oh my God, you're the crunchiest black woman we've ever seen. <laughs> I am so not that person. But in an effort to kind of conf- try to conform to that, you yes. know, so it's a whole lot going on. Girl, we got so much to talk about. Oh my yes, goodness. Yes, yes, so yes. thank you. So you guys can reach her. Um, I'll make sure you got her information in the show notes. Are you on your social medias? Tell us how, are you not really? Not no. really. It is. Um, I try to stay disconnected. Um, so social media, I take pauses regularly. I know that it's, it's the wave and it's the, the, the job, um, right now, but I don't, it doesn't benefit me. And so if it's a deficit, then I take steps back. So no, I'm not on social media right at this time, but they could look me up. I'm on different directories. You can just Google me. Um, and that's definitely, you will get me that way. All right. I'll make sure you guys can connect with her. Well, thank you so much, Jules. And I'll see, we'll see you again soon. We'll probably have you on next month talking about EMDR. I'd love to learn more. All right, girl. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. Bye. Bye.